0: Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com I thought I'd start by sharing some of what I've been working on these last couple of months. Um, My workplace, a boring bank, has for whatever reason decided that they wanted to draft me in from Manchester to Birmingham to induct our new colleagues and employees that have started over the summer. So I've had to set up camp in Birmingham. I've spent about five or six weeks for various lengths down in Birmingham, welcoming fresh faces eager to start at the bank. And my regular job, well, they didn't actually let me out of that, so they've just made me work long hours um, during what I was hoped for, hoping was going to be a very quiet summer. And over that time, I've had the privilege of welcoming 200 new people into the bank. The bulk of them, they've been either summer interns, a kind of a vibrant group of people who are here for eight weeks, or they're graduates who are joining for 18 months. And on paper, they're quite similar, right? You've got similar ages, similar stages of life, similar experiences and backgrounds. And when you talk to them individually, they've got smarts, they're charismatic, they've got a bit of a you know, beginning of life excitement for what's going to happen next. But as a group dynamic, there's been like a huge difference. Um, night and day, completely different. One bunch have staked a claim on the role of being cool and disinterested. Nothing we did during any of their induction could amuse them or entertain them or get them to seem like they were happy in any way. It was like they were too cool for the whole thing. On the flip side, the other crowd gave us the complete opposite. Asking questions, saying thank you, engaging, taking notes, following up when they met someone new. And they seemed locked in to the opportunity around them. And i'm not unloading all of this on you just because no one's listened to me um abby has found it very boring me talking about all of this so i thought i'd put it down upon you Um, but actually i've been struck as i've thought about these group um, dynamics about our attitudes to the world around us Um, the attitudes as we tread through life do we see opportunities in front of us are we grateful for um, things that are put in our path, or do we shrug them off like they're no big deal, they're part of the mundane and the ordinary? And I want us to hold on to that perspective, um, the angle of trying to appreciate opportunities and goodness in front of us as we delve into the scripture today. If you've been keeping up, you'll know that we're in Psalms, and we've been journeying through the Psalms all summer long, with each one looking at a different area and aspect of our lives, whether that's grief, restoration, forgiveness, or celebration. And now we're going to look at the idea of enjoying the blessings that the Almighty has given us. Today we're going into Psalm 65, and I don't know about you today, but over this summer it's been quite humid And then we've had the ridiculous thundering rains. And you can take it different ways, right? Either it's disheartening or disillusioning, or it's a sign of God refreshing us. And we're going to lean into that side of the metaphor um, today, the enjoyment and refreshing of the earth. And Psalm 65 is a beautiful passage. It speaks to us about giving thanks and praise to God for his blessings, particularly related to nature and earth. The psalmist acknowledges God's role in creating and sustaining the natural world, the fertile land, abundant harvests, and provision of water. We see God's hand in the changing seasons and the bountifulness of the earth, which prompts a response of gratitude and celebration. It's going to come up behind me, or you can follow along in your own Bibles. Um, It's Psalm 65, and it says this. Praise awaits you, our God. In Zion, to you our vows will be fulfilled, you who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those that you choose and bring to live near your courts. We are filled with good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Saviour, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders, where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it, you enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide grain, People with, to provide the people with grain, for you have so ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are closed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. I want us to take a moment here to enjoy the sheer majesty of God's creation. Often, I find myself becoming a little bit jaded to what's around me, um, the fact that everything that I am surrounded with has come from the creator of the universe, our God and our saviour. Verse 5 kicks us off by saying, You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our saviour. The God we worship is involved in our lives, responding to our prayers and our petitions with powerful and overwhelming actions. And I was dwelling on that word, awesome, because just like we ignore the world around us, the word awesome has become really poorly misused. Um, I sent someone a spreadsheet the other day, and I got an awesome as a response to my spreadsheet data, um, something that I've never had before and I don't think I'll ever see again because it definitely wasn't awesome when it actually should be reserved for something beyond our understanding, that the fact that God of the universe who brings us salvation also hears our prayers and answers them. Verse 6 shows us the power of our God. Who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength? The grandeur, the sheer magnitude of a mountain created by the strength of God. It's not a physical strength that we obtain but a creative and imaginative brilliance required to develop the richness of our world. Flatness and emptiness turned into mountains and valleys, rivers and waterfalls. Our creator, not a distant figure but a hands-on artist weaving his majesty into every corner of the world around us. And yet It's more than just a power to create and to impress us, but it's also a power to control and to tame. Verse 7 takes us to the beach. Who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations? I don't know about you, but have you ever packed up the car at home on a really nice day? It's kind of 7, 8 in the morning. You think, let's take everyone to the beach. Let's have a really good time. And then you've driven there. You've gone an hour, hour and a half. And when you turn up, it's thundering and pouring and raining. And the whole thing is ruined. You've got people in the back complaining and wondering why you're here. They just want to go home. It's like the ocean is shouting for attention, demanding our focus. And yet God speaks a word and the loudest waves hush. The storms are stilled and creation waits to hear what our God says next. The turmoil of nations is calmed by the words of our creator. I love that. I love the idea that our God is one who speaks into the most difficult of situations and brings them to peace. Verse 8 wraps it up like this. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. There is something of the worship of the Lord in every sunrise and sunset, every creation within nature has been made for our pleasure and enjoyment on the earth, but reflects back the very glory of God. Let's make it real for a second, because it's easy to get caught up in the busyness and stress of everyday life. When we're rushing from one thing to another, or simply scrolling through content, we kind of miss out on that grand symphony that's right in front of us. During one of the weeks where we were onboarding a large group of colleagues, one of my um, people who was facilitating with me noticed that someone was trying to subtly watch something on their phone at the back of the room. Um, We had a great speaker in, and while everyone around them was taking notes, engaging, asking questions, trying to learn something, this person was distracted by something else. They were missing the opportunity to enjoy what had been put on for them. Next time you're outside, next time you're in nature, whether that's on top of a mountain, dipping your toes in an ocean, or maybe more likely you know, stood in Fog Lane Park, it's important to stop and remember that there is an opportunity and a glory in front of us for us to enjoy. God isn't in some far-off location. He's in the world that he created, showing off his power and his love. And that same God who carved mountains and calmed seas sees us, and wants you to enjoy what he has created for you. His majesty is shown in that creation. But it doesn't stop there. God doesn't just create and leave things as they were. He's a God who provides constantly and consistently. That's point two. Hopefully I've got it up. Brilliant. Thank you, guys. Um, Our God is faithful in providing. And verse nine sets the stage for this. It says, you care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. Now, that's a little bit agricultural, but there's a lot here. So picture this. God isn't just making it rain and hoping for the best. Um, this is an, an accident this morning. But he's actively caring for the land, tending to it like a master gardener. And when he waters it, he doesn't sprinkle a few drops, but he showers it with blessings. The verse continues, the streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, so you have ordained it. That word provide, God not just throwing a few crumbs our way, but lavishing us with his goodness. The ultimate provider, making sure that through his work, through his creation, we are fed at the table. Now, let's dive into verse 10. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. A vivid picture, a farmer's field, Uh, God not sprinkling it, but drenching it, saturating, refreshing it. He's not just smoothing out the surface, but leveling it for something greater. And when those crops grow, they're blessed and flourishing and abundant. It's easy to... (laughs) That's okay, you know, it's nice when people are at the front. It's much harder to preach to people far away. Um, But we're not all farmers, right? Right? But we've all got our own fields to tend to, whether that's our jobs, our relationships, our dreams, just what we have to do tomorrow. They're all part of the landscape that God cares about. Just as he's providing for the land, he's providing for us, providing us blessings and making sure we're nourished and ready to go. Grow was what I meant to say, but also go, if that works. Um, Let's not miss the deeper meaning. The land isn't just physical, it's a symbol. It represents our lives, our hearts. Just as God cares for the land, he cares for every inch of us. He's not concerned about our external circumstances, but also our well-being, our growth, and our joy. The same God who makes sure the crops thrive also makes sure our hearts flourish. The same God who waters the land also waters our spirit. And it's not a coincidence, it's very much a divine promise that God's faithfulness is like rain that never stops falling. He doesn't provide for us, but he provides for us abundantly. That means today we get to rest in God's provision. It means we don't have to worry about scarcity because his blessings are overflowing. It means that we can trust that just as he cares for land, he cares for us with the same love and attention to detail, the same commitment to abundance. And often it feels like we're in a bit of a dry and barren land where challenges and uncertainties leave us feeling empty. And in that, God's promise of provision is a refreshing oasis, is a rain after a humid day. We all face those seasons of difficulty where life is hard and unyielding. And yet God's grace is never far away because he is in the business of softening the toughest ground and of bringing life to the most desolate Of places want us to think about how you apply that to our lives for just a second when we encounter hardships in our job or relationships when we feel stuck in a rut we can remember that God is at work beneath the surface just because nothing has grown yet he may still be drenching those furrows smoothing those ridges and preparing us for the harvest the challenges we face aren't obstacles to his provision They're opportunities for us to witness his faithfulness in new and incredible ways. And just as God's provision is personal, our response should be personal too. We're called to be co-laborers with him in tending the fields. Just as a farmer doesn't wait for the rain but cultivates the soil, plants the seeds and tends to the crops, we too are also called to actively participate in our growth. In practical terms, that might mean investing in our relationships, pursuing excellence in our work, and nurturing our spiritual lives. It means recognizing that God's provision doesn't negate our responsibility, but enhances it. We're not just passive recipients of his provision, we're active participants in his creation. So as we navigate the complexities of our modern lives let's remember that God's faithfulness in providing extends beyond material blessings it's our growth of character the strengthening of our faith and the cultivation of a heart that overflows with gratitude just as he waters the land God's presence and provision waters our soul transforming us into vessels that reflect his glory For me, that means cultivating an attitude of expectancy, knowing that God's showers of provision are on the horizon. And when things feel hard, remembering that God is in the business of turning deserts into gardens and providing for every need. And from that, we're called to respond with gratitude and worship, which you'll be pleased to know is my third and final point, Verses 12 and 13, uh, sorry, 11 and 12 of Psalm 65 provide us with a stunning image of God's abundance. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are closed with gladness. It's a visual feast. God crowning the year, passing on its bounty. And wagon tracks overflowing with abundance. It can't even be held on the wagon The harvest cannot be contained. The wilderness, believed to be barren, is overflowing with lush grass, and the hills they're dressed in joy, like like a celebration is being thrown by creation itself. Our lives might feel very different from that agricultural metaphor, but the essence remains the same. We may not worship God at harvest festivals, but we have our own moments of abundance. Think about a time when your hard work paid off, maybe a project at work, a relationship that flourished, a goal achieved, or recently for us just doing some housework that needed to be done that had been put off for a very long time. Those moments, those wagon tracks can be our modern day celebrations, and just as the hills are dressed in joy, our hearts oh, sorry—our hearts can be dressed in joy as we recognize God's hand in those successes. But what I love about verse 11 is it seems to go a bit further and a bit deeper. When it says your wagon tracks overflow with abundance, it hints not just about a harvest, but the journey that led there. Those tracks tell a story, the story of God's faithfulness in the sowing and the reaping, in the growing and the provision of the land. The story of God's faithfulness throughout the year, guiding, providing, and blessing. They're tracks that reveal grace and mercy, leading through valleys and mountaintops. Verse 12 reminds us that even in the wilderness, God's provision overflows. The wilderness isn't a place of lack, but a place of overwhelming abundance. When life feels barren, God's hills are waiting to surprise us. And how do we embrace that? How do we enjoy that? Well, we can embrace that truth through verse four thirteen. It says, the meadows are clothed with flocks, and the valleys are covered with grain. They shout for joy and sing. It's a chorus of creation reflecting the glory of God, singing his worship. The meadows and the valleys, representing all corners of creation, are not silent, but they are singing to the Lord. And in the midst of provision in our lives, our response should be to join that song. Just as meadows and valleys overflow with flocks and grains, our heart can overflow with gratitude and worship. When I stop to think about what God has done and his blessings, just as Becca led us in at the beginning, my heart begins to well up with thanksgiving and praise. That spills over into worship. Earlier this week, I watched a video um, that really spoke to me, really touched me, about someone who's seen a lot of uh, difficulty in their life and change in their life. I really enjoyed that video this week because the depths of his gratitude didn't appear to be a fleeting emotion, but something that underpins his whole life and the way that he lives today. It's not the most glamorous job, making money by picking up cans on the side of the street, but he finds joy in it because he sees that every provision in his life has been provided by his creator, his God. It's not about personal blessings. It's about recognizing God's goodness in every part of our life. It's about celebrating the beauty of the creation around us, the gifts of the relationships we enjoy and the opportunities that come our way. It's about cultivating a heart that overflows with gratitude and expresses that gratitude through a lifestyle of worship. And as we navigate the rhythms of life, let's not miss that melody of gratitude that creation around us sings. As we wrap up this journey through Psalm 65, I want us to go back to the beginning of the scriptures, verses 1 through 4, where the psalmist declares, Praise awaits you, our God, in Zion. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you, all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those that you choose and bring near to live in your courts. But we don't forget those words in verse 3. When we were overwhelmed by sin, you forgave our transgressions. They're a reminder that as we celebrate in God's blessings and abundance, we can't forget our need for atonement. Our praise isn't just about what God gives us, it's about who he is, the holy, righteous, and gracious God who offers forgiveness and reconciliation through his son. Jesus is the true fulfillment of all these pictures and images we've explored today. He's the ultimate manifestation of God's abundant provision. When sin was prevailing against us, when we were lost in the wilderness of our own brokenness, Jesus comes as a shepherd to lead us to green pastures and still waters. The scripture said that he is the one that satisfies the thirst of our souls with living waters that never run dry. And just as this scripture talks about God crowning the year with bounty, Jesus wears a crown of thorns to provide us with the bounty of eternal life. His sacrifice on the cross, the ultimate expression of God's overflowing love and provision for you and I today. It's through his shed blood that our sins are atoned for, and we get invited into the abundant life with our God above. In a world that measures our abundance by material possessions and temporary pleasures, we have the privilege of knowing the true source of abundance. Our lives not about accumulating wealth, but experiencing richness of relationship with Jesus in the creation that has been made for our enjoyment. Actually, in the depths of difficulty, there is a preparation for a harvest coming. Our God's grace is overflowing and his love is unwavering.